you know, you're taking away all the fundamentals of being a prudent and good investor. And I continue to buy on the way down. And <laughs> I'll never forget when it hit like a thousand Bitcoin per Zcash. I had maybe dumped at this point 20 to 30 Bitcoin into this thing. And I kept believing that I'll just keep buying and increasing my position. And yeah, well, it never recovered. It was probably, probably crashed 99.99% of its original value. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guests, Gabriel Abed. Gabriel, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock, Andrew. Let's do it. Gabriel is the founder of bit.com. That's with two T's, bit.com, a fintech enterprise established to offer financial solutions to the world's unbanked communities. And he's the founder of Digital Asset Fund, the first regulated digital asset mutual funds in the Caribbean region. The Barbados-based entrepreneur is internationally acknowledged as a pioneer in the digital currency evolution, having initiated the first global movement to encourage the use of central bank digital currencies to stop those darn politicians from printing money. Gabriel, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. No, I, I think you wrapped the more important aspect of that, that background that I have in the cryptocurrency industry and how it perfectly fits into my worst investment ever. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, well, let's get into it. Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, this one's quite interesting because I don't remember the exact year, whether it was 2015 or 2016. And, and Andrew, up till then, you know, I've, I've made some crappy moves. I mean, some brilliant ones, but some crappy ones as well. But... This was during the height of the cryptocurrency introduction boom of, you know, where anything went, you know, before, before this, these days you weren't as, as cautious and, and you were a little bit more confident in the market, always giving you a green, you know, you're going to get profit out of this investment and it's going to come out on top for you. Well, this, <laughs> this definitely wasn't the case. And, I remember hearing murmurs of this new privacy coin coming to the market, and there are already been Zika. Uh, there had already been um, Monero and and Dash, which back in the day was Blackcoin and or Darkcoin, sorry. And those were those were pretty lucrative investments. So obviously now you're hearing a little bit more about privacy coins and the the need for privacy on the market in the cryptocurrency sector, and you get excited. You're thinking, this is going to be good. The team behind this is amazing. And I remember hearing Roger Ver. At this point, he was still very much loved by the community, Bitcoin Jesus, right? And I remember hearing that, that Roger Ver was a big backer and proponent of this project. And it was called Zcash. And I how don't could know you go wrong with Zcash? Yeah, how could you go wrong with Zcash, man? Even the name's great, you know? And... 
And I remember when it first got opened up onto an exchange and it just started trading because if I'm not mistaken, I think it was released proof of work based, which meant you had to mine it mm. and there was no pre-sale. So this was initial mining offer, if you will. And this also meant that there would be a very slow trickle into the exchanges. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. When Zcash first hit the exchange, and I don't remember which one this was. I don't know if it was Moolah or Bitfinex. It could have been Bitfinex. It was one of the old school exchanges. And when Zcash first hit their order books, the buy orders were climbing into the thousands of Bitcoin for one ZEC. Okay, and we're talking 3,000 Bitcoin if you want this fine ZEC. Well, I remember I was at our, our, one of our staff houses in Barbados, and I, I'm opening up my, my trading engine, and I'm loading it up with Bitcoin, and I'm placing an order, and, and I'm buying 0.0001 EEC for 10 BTC. And I think at the point, I watched this guy skyrocket, 4,000 BTC. I don't remember how much BTC per ZEC it went up to, but it's, it was in the thousands, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. All I remember is that when I saw this thing crash in half, I said, okay, this is the point I come back in. You know, I, I, this thing's going to be really special on the market. You know, you're taking away all the fundamentals of being a prudent and good investor. And I continue to buy on the way down. And... <laughs> I'll never forget when it hit like a thousand Bitcoin per Zcash. I had maybe dumped at this point 20 to 30 Bitcoin into this thing. And I kept believing that I'll just keep buying and increasing my position. And yeah, well, it never recovered. It was probably, probably crashed 99.99% of its original value. And not probably, it definitely did. And I, I have never seen, I have never seen. 20 Bitcoin go up into thin air just like that in an investment. That can make a grown man cry. Man, I'll tell you what, the worst part for me wasn't my loss. It was the fact that maybe this whole epidemic was taking place in a three hour window. And some of the other staff members at Bit got wind of this. And they showed up at this beach house with their laptops. And some of them did not have as much Bitcoin as others. Some of them were now getting into the job and now getting their, their teeth sunken into the Bitcoin world. And I remember this one staff member using his only Bitcoin <laughs> to buy ZEC. And I'll never forget the look on his face when this thing plummeted. I didn't feel bad about myself. I felt bad about this guy's Bitcoin. Mm. And the other staff members were, well, I mean, we all just had a jolly old laugh, but no one, I mean, on the outside we were laughing, but I guarantee you no one was laughing on the inside. Sure. And even one of the guys from our finance team who, even while this market is plummeting, is looking at me and saying, I should have known better. I should have known better. And yeah, well, we, we, all, we all bit dirt on this day, man. It was, it was definitely my worst investment ever. What happened with Zcash? What was the ending? Did, does it still exist or it's just worthless? Well, or did it... Zcash exists still. It's actually still a very prominent cryptocurrency. By all means, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad crypto. It was just 
because of the limited circulation and supply, because of an, an initial mining offering, the price was obviously the circulation amount or the supply was very low. And therefore, people were demanding whatever they wanted to for the first micro bits of this, of this currency. Mm. Is that a common for initial mining offers? Is that common? I, I don't know if that's a common term. I'm, I'm using yeah. that right now. Yeah. I like it. I'm, it explains it to that's me. How the that's how the distribution was, right? It was like Raven coin where, or Bitcoin, where if you wanted to access this cryptocurrency, you mine it. You don't go and buy it from some pre-mined distribution pool. Yep. You had to run a miner and participate in mining on and securing the network. Mm-hmm. And that's how this one was. And I, I'm hope memory does serve me correct in that instance because the supply was coming in very, very late into the mining kickoff and, mm-hmm. and supply was selling for a very high volume. And I quickly, I quickly got burnt. So, and so, so see, what, what lessons did you learn from this? I think the most valuable lesson is stick to the fundamentals, which I did not do. And the fundamentals of a good cryptocurrency and the good fundamentals around investing. And I knew better, you know, I, I knew that the price would, would stabilize once a sufficient supply had hit the market. And, and I bought into the FOMO and it was that FOMO buying that I got burnt on. So the lesson learned is to avoid the FOMO. Don't be an emotional trader and stick to the fundamentals. And also don't try to catch falling night. Mm. Which I tried with Zcash. Oh, and, say- and then the most important lesson, don't invite a party of staff members and colleagues when you're doing a high-risk investment. Yeah, and don't get them pumped up on any kind of drugs or alcohol either when you get them together or else it's all bad. Exactly, it's a bad party guaranteed. Yeah, okay, so, all right. And just out of curiosity, when you say stick to the fundamentals, how would you have been able to understand the fundamentals of Zcash, you know, in that moment in time? Could you have? Well, it's, it's distribution supply. You know, it, it had a, like BTC, it had, I believe it was deflationary based distribution model, which meant that naturally more coins would come on the market in much fairer volumes. And instead of trying to get a small bit in the circulation supply, which inevitably would have been enlarged. I tried to buy when circulation was small, knowing that it would grow and that the price would not be sustained. Got it. All right, let me uh, summarize what I take away from it. I want the listeners to imagine that your friend is up on the 30th floor of a building and they've got a knife and they've decided to drop that knife. And you know, you see it falling and, you know, it's going to fall in front of you. It's not going to hit you, but you're pretty close to it. And, you know, you are four feet, you know, your hand is four feet from the ground and the knife is falling 30 stories down. You have a choice. Try to catch it right there before it goes four more feet and hits the ground or let it hit the ground and then pick it up. Which do you choose? The lesson for me is that sometimes you just got to let a falling knife fall and don't try to grab it. And I think that that is kind of the fear of missing out, the FOMO that you mentioned. And it's also kind of a feeding frenzy. And I would say that 
when I look at the common mistakes that people make in investing, you can say one common mistake in this case is the most common mistake, which is what we could say failed to do your research. And so you're, you're saying, you know, we could have looked more at the fundamentals of the offering to think more deeply about it. But the other one is mistake number three, which I see so often, which is driven by emotion or flawed thinking. Many, many people on the show get emotionally excited about something, and it's very hard to break them away from that excitement. And so I see that, you know, between yourself and the people, I can visualize you guys all with your notebook computers, you know, and all the buzz going on there. There's a tremendous amount of emotion and flawed thinking going on there. Anything that you would add? No, you hit the nail on the head by yeah. especially describing the falling knife scenario and what it looks like. And we saw the knife. We saw the knife and we stuck our hands out and said, I'm going to catch this knife. I know where it's going. And we still stuck our hands out on it and we caught it. And not in a good way, Andrew. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, Gabriel, I have a scar on my eyebrow from when I was about 14 years old. And my friends and I went to the quarry back in Ohio where we grew up. And we used to jump off the ledges of the quarry, the edges, you know, and fall 30, 40 feet into the water, which was kind of terrifying at times. But one of my friends had thrown a Pepsi can in the water. And I thought, oh, I'm going to jump. And I have to admit that I was a little bit stoned at the time, which I don't do anymore, but I did when I was young. And I decided I was going to jump on that and hit it with my feet. Instead of hitting it with my feet, I hit it with my head and I cut open my eyebrow and I'm climbing back up this wall of rock and I'm kind of numb to it. And I know that there's water, you know, coming off my body, but my friends see all this blood coming off my head. So it's a little bit like catching a falling knife. I decided I was going to jump on a stationary can floating in the water. So that's my little story about my my youth. But based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, I mean, obviously, you have extensive experience in this space. What one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And I would like you to really bring it home to a young man or woman who's quite excited about something they've found in the crypto space, and they're ready to go all in. What one piece of advice would you give them? Always go for the long-term play. The short and medium term rarely ever pay off. And when I say the long-term play, as in focus on what matters in this field, what matters to the real long-term investors, and what makes a cryptocurrency good in terms of its fundamentals, its distribution rate, the team behind it, its aspects of decentralization, what truly makes it a consensus-driven algorithm and What's the security behind that and the mechanisms to ensure that this thing is going to have usability? And basically what all that is summarized into is educate oneself before investing. Don't allow the upfront FOMO to get you and to pull you into the fold. And take your time when investing on the fundamentals. Because if it's a good investment, it's not going to go away in one day. And I think that's one of the smartest things that I learned out of that, especially it's the long-term aspects of investing are always better. And you know, one such cryptocurrency, it's funny, Andrew, because 
I actually wasn't sure which of two stories I was going to tell you. But there's an inverse to that story. And that's, you know, I was one of the first backers of Ethereum. One of the first guys who would have, not the first, but one of the first to jump in and throw some coins behind the initial offering. And when Ethereum was first out, I think it was around 20 to 30 cents per. And when it shot up to around double its price, I spent thousands of Ether to buy an underwater metal detector, an Excalibur 2. And this thing was 10,000 feet in depth and it was all these cool features. And, and I knew the fundamentals of Ethereum and the community backing it and the introductions of things like smart contracts would skyrocket the price of this, of this asset class. But I didn't wait. I wanted this Excalibur and I wanted to go, I, by the way, I've never used it in my life. Everything changed in that year. But the point is, I spent thousands of Ether buying this metal detector. And I should have held and I should have waited because the long-term aspects of Ether held out. So it's the complete opposite of that story. Right. And whereas I invested and kept investing and got burnt on the inverse, I divested not trusting. So, Got so I'm not sure which of those two were my worst investments ever, but I still have, oh, the second one, I still have a metal detector. So if the cryptocurrency market ever craps itself completely, you know, you can find me at the beach trying to find metal. <laughs> Digging underwater. Yeah. I would say avoid boys' toys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> avoid, yes. There you go. All right, well, let's go to the last question, which is what's your number one goal for the next 12 months? The number one goal for the next 12 months is to probably recalibrate, recalibrate my life right now and look for the next big thing where this market's going to go. And I think that's, that's my number one goal is to discover, explore, and look to get excited again about a new subject. That's awesome. Well, that sounds like a great journey, <laughs> a journey of discovery and learning which we all are on. So fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we end, Gabriel, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are truly learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Invest wisely and only invest what you can afford to lose. Great advice for a lifetime of investing. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.